0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane, over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. It is game day. Game four, Lakers versus Nuggets. I don't blame Lakers fans if you're not quite as excited as maybe we expected or hoped to be at this point. The Lakers down three to nothing in the series. Is this it? Is this the final game of the season for the Lakers or will they survive to fight another day? I do want to break down game four a little bit. We've got a a bit of news to get into. As well, and of course, some fan questions and comments. Before I get into everything, though, uh, a few things. First and foremost, if you're watching over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, do me a favor hit that like button on this video. We'll see how much that helps out. Uh, as well as subscribe. If you're not a subscriber to the YouTube channel yet, make sure you do subscribe. Look, even if the Lakers end up finishing their season tonight, it's going to be a big off season. There's a lot of stuff going on. You guys know I'm going to keep you in the know on everything going on. In the world around the Los Angeles Lakers, we're going to be looking at free agent possibilities. We're going to be looking at trade possibilities. We'll be talking about draft prospects and everything in between. Tons of stuff to break down this offseason. So if you're not a subscriber yet, make sure you do subscribe. Turn on those notifications as well. And of course, over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the audio version of the show as well. That way you can take us with you wherever you go. Um, Before I get into Lakers stuff, so as I'm recording this, the Boston Celtics, this made me smile. They went down 3-0 to the Miami Heat. The eighth seed, Miami Heat, now have a 3-0 series lead over the Boston Celtics. And obviously, that's, that's a, a good thing for Lakers fans, certainly. We usually uh, take some joy when the Celtics are not doing well. Don't get me wrong, Celtics fans have been praising and uh, celebrating the Lakers' struggles in this series with Denver as well. That's how it goes when you've got one of the longest-running rivalries in sports, and one of the best rivalries in all of sports. But my question is this. Lakers Nation, does the Celtics struggling, going down 3-0 to the 8th seed, losing both their games at home and now getting blown out in Game 3 in Miami, does that make you feel any better? does that make you feel better about what's gone on with the Lakers and seeing them? I mean, there's, there's definitely some disappointment here uh, with the Lakers. Now there's no question. I, you know, I've been saying that this team has overachieved. This team is something to be proud of. I mean, they were thrown together uh, just three months ago and here they are now in the Western conference finals. I know though, we were all dreaming of the finals, all dreaming of ring number 18, of all that stuff. And so there's certainly disappointment around the Lakers. Um, but does seeing the Celtics struggle make it feel any better? Because for me, the answer is yes, it does help. It does help a little bit. And I feel like that's, you know, I don't know if I'm just, if it's just team petty or what. And I know that as somebody who grew up during the Showtime era, I feel differently about the Celtics than some of the newer Lakers fans. For example, if you're a Lakers fan who, became a Lakers fan say in 2011 well hell, you've been a Lakers fan for 12 years now but you don't have that built-in disdain hatred for the Boston Celtics you don't right and that's that's a long time so I understand that it's partially a, a generational thing where the Lakers Celtics yeah they played each other in 2010 they played each other in 2008 there was a long break there but there are there's a whole generation of Lakers fans who maybe don't feel that animosity towards the Celtics that I certainly do. But for me, and this is why I'm asking the question, for me, I look at it this way. For me, I see the Celtics struggling. I see the Celtics go down 3 nothing, And to me, I think, you know what? Priority number one is the Lakers winning, right? That's the most important. If the Lakers are winning and the Celtics are winning, does that kill my mood? No. No, it doesn't. Because the Lakers are winning. I want to see the Lakers win. I would love to see the Lakers take out the Celtics to win championship number 18. That would be fantastic. The Lakers winning is the most important thing. So just as the Celtics winning at the same time as the Lakers are winning wouldn't dampen my mood, the Celtics losing while the Lakers are losing isn't going to completely ease the pain or ease the disappointment that I'm feeling. However, I'll say this. If the Celtics go out, it's going to make the finals a lot more enjoyable. Assuming, Let's assume the Lakers and Celtics both do not make it. And let's face it, NBA history says they won't. I believe the number is 149 and 0. In terms of teams that were facing a 3-0 deficit, no one in the NBA has ever come back from the situation the Lakers and Celtics are in. No one. Now, someone's going to do it at some point. And so, from that stance, I'm looking at it saying, why not the Lakers? Gosh, I hope it's not the Celtics. Someday, somebody's going to do it. Someday, somebody is going to come back from being down 3-0 in the NBA. It will happen at some point. But it hasn't happened yet. 149-0. That doesn't suggest a strong likelihood of either team coming back. And if the Lakers are out, what I get, if the Celtics are also out, that means I get a stress-free finals. I get a finals between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. And let's face it, the Denver Nuggets, there have been some things that have been a little bit annoying. Uh, Nikola Jokic's brothers trolling Jack Nicholson. That's Jack Nicholson. Have some respect. That's not great. That doesn't make me feel happy or or good about the, the Denver Nuggets. That doesn't make me see them in a positive light. The absurd things that Michael Malone has been saying Again, to get his troops fired up and everything, but you know, about the disrespect that's been lobbied at the at the Nuggets and how everybody's just talking about the Lakers adjustments and and all that kind of stuff. The Nuggets are in this weird place where they're the one seed, but they're trying to continually portray themselves as the underdog despite being the one seed and, and you know, they want to maintain this chip on their shoulder. Everybody's against us, nobody believes in us, all this kind of stuff. You're the one seed, right? Um and lots of people are saying they're a great team and have been playing great basketball. But I get it. They want to continue to play with a chip on their shoulder. But nonetheless, even with that stuff, if the Nuggets were to win it all, okay. would not I wouldn't feel any kind of way about that. If the Miami Heat were to win it all, okay. That wouldn't bother me in the slightest. If the Celtics were to win it all, that would that would be upsetting. That's the dark timeline that I've been talking about. And so I think that if nothing else, if the Lakers can't be there, I would at least take some solace in the Celtics not being there too. Because that would mean that neither team is getting championship number 18. We're not going to live in that dark timeline where we have to deal with a year of the Celtics parading around talking about their them being the reigning champions and all that kind of stuff. We don't have to deal with that. And so from my perspective, yeah, it does help a little bit. But Lakers Nation, let me know what you think in the comments section whether you're over on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever it is, if you're on the YouTube channel, does it make you feel any better about where the Lakers are at seeing the Celtics struggle so mightily in the Eastern Conference Finals as the two seed losing to the eight seed right now in the Eastern Conference Finals? All right, enough about those guys over there in Boston, enough about that Eastern Conference series, enough about all that. Let's talk about the Lakers. What needs to happen for the Lakers to win game four? So, as much as we can get into the X's and O's and all that kind of stuff, and we can talk about, it, and I'm sure, you know, Sean uh, Davis can go into, well, the Lakers need to do this, this, and this in terms of how you cover these actions and all that kind of stuff. Um, personally, when I look at a game four, I'm throwing all that out. I'm throwing it all out because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for game four. It does not matter unless, well, it matters if the team is bought in. That's the biggest thing. What Lakers team do we see come out? Do we see a Lakers team that comes out for game four and says, and somewhere in their brains, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously somewhere in their brains, they're thinking, you know what? We're down three. 0. do I really want to pack and go to, to go back to Denver to play a game five? Do I really want to do that? Or do I want to start my summer vacation? Is that going to be the Lakers mindset where they're thinking, you know what? I don't really want to go back to Denver. This series is over. We don't have a shot. Or do we have a Lakers team that has the mindset of somebody's going to come back from down 3-0? Why wouldn't it be a team with LeBron James? Why couldn't it be us? These games have been close. The Nuggets have been red hot shooting. What if the Nuggets go cold shooting? What if we get hot shooting? not what I would expect. The Nuggets have been a better shooting team than the Lakers over the course of the season. We have a large sample size of the Nuggets being the better shooting team between the two. But will the Lakers have that mentality of why not us? Why not? If that's the case, then we might get an entertaining game four. We could get a very exciting game four. Are the Lakers dead set determined to not get swept? Does this become a matter of pride? That's... One path the Lakers can take. But the other path, the one I was talking about earlier, where the Lakers just say, I don't want to go back to Denver. I don't want to go get on another plane. We know where this series is at realistically. We're going to find out, I think, really quickly which mindset the Lakers are in. Because as soon as, and it may be in the first quarter, maybe it's in the second quarter, maybe it's in the third, but whenever the Lakers get punched in game four, and they're going to get punched, the Nuggets, are not, the Nuggets aren't just going to get their doors blown off. They're not going to get blown out and just go away and, okay, we'll go win it in Game 5. No, the Nuggets are going to try to end things in Game 4. They're going to try to knock the Lakers out. And even if the Lakers come out hot, the Nuggets are going to push back at some point. How the Lakers respond to that punch that the Nuggets throw, that's going to tell us a lot about what the mentality of the team is. Is it, hell no, we are not losing tonight we're too prideful to get swept. We're not doing that. And we don't think we're out of this thing. Or is it, I don't, this thing's over. I don't really want to go back to Denver. If that's the case, we're going to see this team effectively tap out on the floor. You'll see it with their body language. You'll see it with their effort, with their intensity. You'll see it. If this team is done, if they have broken, you will see it. If not, you're going to see that too. And it's all going to come down to how do they respond to that punch that Denver throws whenever it comes. It may, they might may start the game with it. It may be in the third quarter. We don't know. We don't know. It depends on how the game plays out. But at some point, Denver's going to hit the Lakers. Do they go away? Do the Lakers fold? Or do they fight through it and keep going? That's the big question mark. That, that's what we need to know. Are the Lakers going to win game four? What's their mentality? What's their mentality? From there, then we can get into, do they shoot a high enough percentage from three? Does D'Angelo Russell get out of this awful, awful funk that he's in? Um, Does Darvin Ham employ different rotations, particularly if D'Lo is not out of this funk that he's in? How many minutes does Rui Hachimura get, who's been, I think, one of truly good players for the Lakers this series? It's been LeBron, AD, Rui, and Austin. Dennis Schroeder done some good stuff defensively, but it's really those four guys are the only players having good series. And even LeBron and AD, you could argue, haven't been great, not to quite to their level. So once we get past the hurdle of does this team want to go back to Denver, how much gas do they have left in the tank? If the answer is yes, they're prideful, they're not going to get swept. Then we get into the, shooting percentages we get into the defensive schemes we get into the what do you do with jamal murray if he's on a heater to start the game again How do you deal with nikola Jokic? all of that all of that but that's all secondary to what the lakers mindset is going into this game and i'll tell you what i sure hope we see the lakers team that wants to go down swinging that wants to fight that says nobody's ever done it nobody's ever come back down from three zero But we're going to. Because why not? Why not us? Why not this team? And that doesn't mean that just because they have that belief doesn't mean they're going to do it. Look, again, it's never happened before. It's very unlikely to happen now. But will this team have that mentality of we could be that group to do it? That's what we're going to find out in game four. That's what we're going to find out. Um, Something worth noting here. Mo Bamba is back. The Lakers officially, official status report uh, does not have him listed on there with an injury. So he's back, and he can get minutes. And I talked about this with Sean the other day. Give him minutes. Play him. What do you have to lose at this point? What do you have to lose? Maybe you didn't feel comfortable putting Tristan Thompson on the floor. Understandable. But now, you've got a somewhat rim-protecting, three-point shooting big you can put onto the floor. Mo Bamba is not some game-changing guy. He's not. I I wouldn't expect the Lakers to roll out their Mo Bamba in the starting five alongside Anthony Davis or something like that. Wouldn't expect that at all. I wouldn't expect Mo Bamba to play any kind of major minutes. Like 10 minutes for Mo Bamba would be a surprise. But if I'm Darvin, I'm playing him. I'm playing him. For one thing, nothing else has really worked this series, right? The other stuff that you've been doing hasn't really worked. But for another, the Lakers organizationally have to make a decision about Mo They have to make a decision. He has a non-guaranteed deal for just over $10 million for next year. Do you want to guarantee that deal and keep him around? Do you want to waive him? Maybe you could re-sign him to like a veteran minimum deal or something like that if you choose. Do you want to waive him and see if somebody else picks him up? What do you want to do with Mo? I think one of the Lakers' main priorities this offseason, whether the offseason starts when the final buzzer sounds tonight, whether it starts after Game 5, Game 6, Game 7, whether it starts with them winning a championship, whenever the offseason starts, one of their priorities needs to be a backup center. They need a true backup center that can play behind Anthony Davis. And some people are probably yelling at their screens right now, saying, no, we need a true starting center to move Anthony Davis back to power forward. You can make that argument, but be that as it may, the Lakers need another center. And they need to know whether or not that guy can be Mobamba. And I don't think they've got the answer to that. And some of that falls on the Lakers themselves. Some of that falls on, on Darvin Ham. They didn't use Mobamba enough during the regular season when he was available. Now, towards the end of the season, he was dealing with an injury. Even when he was back, he wasn't really back. You know, all of that stuff. But, In any event, I think you throw him out there because he can throw a different look at the Nuggets than what they've seen. It doesn't mean it's going to be successful, but at this point, try something. Why not try something? Because what you've been doing isn't working. Try something different. And I think it's important to get a sense of what Mo Bamba actually can be because you're going to have to make a decision on him. You're going to have to. And it's possible that the Lakers say, you know what? The free agent center market is not all that interesting. We'd rather just keep Mo as our backup. And maybe that means paying him $10 million, Maybe that means cutting him and signing him to a new a new deal. Whatever that is, the Lakers have to decide, is this the guy that we want? First and foremost, is this the guy that we want? Obviously, they went and traded for him. They gave up a second-round pick to get him in that Patrick Beverly trade. They see something in him, some potential. So throw him out there. Throw him out there. Does it throw a wrench in, in the Nuggets plans? Is he able to be a positive on the floor? And do you learn anything that can help you make that decision this summer that's going to be so important? I'm playing him. If I'm, uh, if I'm the Lakers, if I'm Darvin Ham. I'm playing him.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Uh, other bit of news before we get into fan questions and comments. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said that the Lakers are expected to match any offer on Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. I did a whole video breaking this down on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, which you can go check out if you want a full in-depth like, look at the cap and all that kind of stuff. But there's two important things here. Number one, that's great news. Right, because I don't think any Lakers fan wants to see Austin Reeves or Rui Hachimura leave the Lakers. No, we'd like to see these guys stick around long-term. Both are in their mid-20s. Both can be players for the Lakers for a long, long time, and they've been the two best role players on the team in this series against the Denver Nuggets. Austin has been probably the best role player, period, through the playoffs for the Lakers. he has been great. And obviously his situation is a little bit more complicated because of the arena's provision and all that sort of stuff. The Lakers are limited in what they can actually offer him. Um, So it may take Austin signing with another team to get him the money that he should be getting. Uh, Rui will also be restricted. Both these guys will be restricted free agents. And so that means that the Lakers will have to make the conscious choice to let either one of these players go, which is great. Rui and Austin can't leave by their own choice. They can't leave... By the choice of an opposing team, it will be determined by the Lakers whether or not Rui and Austin are on the Lakers next year. So I think that's important, good to note. But it's also worth mentioning that the Lakers, the word getting out there that the Lakers are expected to match any offer, that should be the word that's getting out regardless of whether or not it's true. And the reason for that is because if word gets out that the Lakers will match any offer, that can dissuade other teams from actually presenting an offer, which can put the Lakers in a better bargaining position when they're trying to sign deals with these guys. Now, again, teams can't scream it from the mountaintops and go tell everybody, hey, we're going to match any offer because that doesn't look good for players. They're, you can't do it. Um, you can't do it. But if that's the prevailing thought around the NBA, that, hey, the Lakers, there's no way the Lakers let Austin go. There's no way the Lakers let Rui go. If that is what other teams believe, well, why would they waste their time writing up a contract, negotiating with the player, getting the player to sign it, having their cap space tied up for 24 hours just so the Lakers can say, cool, thank you for doing our work for us and we're just going to match that contract. They might not be willing to do that. So even if in the Lakers' minds, they're thinking, you know what? We'd love to keep Rui. Man, if somebody offers him like 18 or something, we're not going to go there. We've got a limit. We won't go that far. Um, or if somebody Austin offers Austin 75 over four years, we're going to let him go at that price. That's not what you want out publicly. And I'm not saying they should let those guys go at any price necessarily, uh, any reasonable price, But, but you don't want that out there that the Lakers might budge at a certain number. What you want out there is exactly what's getting out there right now, that the Lakers are going to keep these guys no matter what. They're not going to let them walk away. That's going to put you in the best bargaining position from the Lakers perspective. Now, again, not ideal from the player's perspective because that can scare away suitors. This is why Julius Randle years ago had to go to the Lakers and say, look, I'm a restricted free agent. I don't want to be a Laker anymore. I don't want to be restricted. Wave me. Release my rights so I can go sign with somebody else because nobody will sign me while I'm restricted because they're afraid you're just going to match. And the Lakers were, I mean, we can say dumb. They got Rondo with the money that they saved in it and ultimately that worked out because they got playoff Rondo in 2020. But they let the, the seventh overall pick that they had taken in the draft go for nothing. He was a restricted free agent. Nobody was offering him a contract. They were going to at least have him for another year if he accepted the qualifying offer, and the Lakers said, "Oh, you don't, you don't want to be restricted? Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, well, you don't have to go ahead. Go. We'll, we'll get, we'll get rid of that huge advantage that we have negotiating. It's Crazy. Now, again, it worked out. They got Rondo with the money that they saved. Rondo turned into playoff Rondo in 2020. The rest is history. But nonetheless, I would not expect the Lakers to go down that path again here. It is a big advantage for teams when you have players in restricted free agency. And I feel like it's been years that we've been looking at players on the free agent market. Oh, that guy would be great. Oh, wait, he's restricted. That guy would be great. Oh, wait, he's restricted. And the Lakers free agents are just never restricted. Now, finally, the Lakers are in a spot where these free agents are restricted. The Lakers are in the driver's seat and they can keep them. And it sounds like they're going to do what they need to, to keep both of them. All right, enough on that. Let's talk a little bit about some uh some fan questions and comments here. I've got to, I had a lot coming in after game 3 after the loss a lot of people very frustrated rightfully so. Very understandable why people would be frustrated after that one we expected the Lakers to bounce back, to have a big performance and it just did not happen. Um Jamal Murray went berserk, the Lakers kind of folded in the fourth quarter. I knew they were in trouble when Nikola Jokic was out for much of the third and the Lakers couldn't make up any ground. That was big trouble. But nonetheless, Let's see. Face reality," said Ham. "Will get fired." D'Lo three points. Main reason they are zero and three. I mean, look, I, I think you can make a real argument that if you just got average level play from D'Angelo Russell, that the Lakers are two and one, maybe, maybe three and zero. I don't. I mean, he's been that bad. He's been that bad. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Um, when you look at the Lakers three-point shooting, right? Clearly, the Nuggets have a big advantage there. But the Lakers at the trade deadline, they added three-point shooting. But it disappeared. It, you know, Rui was not a three-point shooter necessarily, but he's actually been pretty good shooting the three-ball in the postseason for the Lakers. But D'Angelo Russell was a 40% three-point shooter. Malik Beasley was brought in to be a three-point shooter to give them three, three-point shooting specifically. And he's not even in the the rotation anymore. And for good reason. Wasn't hitting his shots. D'Lo has not been shooting the ball well in this round. So the three-point shooting that you added at the trade deadline that was so helpful in spacing the floor, hey, D'Angelo Russell's on the floor. He's a 40% three-point shooter. It's not there. It's gone. And it's just terrible timing. Terrible timing to have that happen. And Darvin not really having options to go away from him. Um, it And you can even argue that Darvin should have gone away from him even more than he did. Played him probably too many minutes in Game 3. Now, I hope D'Lo has a bounce back in Game 4 for his own sake. As well as, of course, the Lakers. But this has been brutal. This has been one of the... I don't want to say the worst playoff meltdowns because there have been some big ones. But this has been a really, really rough go for D'Angelo Russell here in this round. Wicked Bronco said, embarrassing to get swept by this team. I mean, look, the Nuggets are very, very good. I don't think the Lakers should get swept by this team. Again, I thought the Lakers should have won game two. I think you could argue that they very well could have won game one even, uh, but didn't work out. Lakers didn't take this series, series seriously at all, in my opinion. I think you could argue that at the beginning of game one. But other than that, I think they did take it seriously. I think part of this is they might be out of gas. I think they may be out of gas here. If they did, you play AD and Braun in must-win games all 48. They can get the rest in of the offseason. I mean, all 48 is probably a bit much, but you certainly don't pull LeBron out when you're up one in the middle of the fourth quarter in a must-win game. You don't do that, and that's what Darvin Ham did. But again, I are the Lakers just out of gas? They've been holding down the turbo button since February. At, at some point, you run out of steam. All right, we're gonna pause for just one moment needed to give a shout out to our sponsor and that is Shady Rays. I love Shady Rays. this is this is no joke here. this is not for an ad read or anything like that. Shady Rays have been my daily driver sunglasses for years. even before they became a sponsor. I literally have five pairs of Shady Rays because I've bought so many different styles. Um, they're absolutely phenomenal. So, Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. They're an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even one on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked Wear your shady rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. I can confirm this. I had my sunglasses sitting on the seat in my car. I sat on them. I broke them. I contacted them, got a replacement pair sent to me. This was a year and a half ago that that this happened. And I, and they sent me the replacement sunglasses, Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff from them. I don't see that from sunglasses companies. Uh, With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they've donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop with Shady Rays. They have your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving you their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code LakersNation for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Uh, Mikhail said, Darvin Ham refusing to bench D'Lo and to start Rui is mind-boggling to me. As soon as Braun goes to the bench, the lead is lost. We should be up 3-0. I don't know about 3-0, but look, Darvin refusing to bench D'Lo, I thought I was shocked he went back to D'Lo in the fourth quarter after how poorly he was playing. I thought that was... um coaching malpractice. Darvin saw that Delo did not have confidence, didn't look like he he didn't look confident in his offensive game in the third quarter. You could see it. And putting him back out there was I mean definitely a mistake. Starting Rui. Um yes and no. Like yeah, I I would prefer to see Rui started. The bigger question is, what are what do his minutes look like? As long as he's getting the lion's share of the minutes, I think I'm okay with him even not starting, but I would prefer to see him start. Just put your best group on the floor and keep him on the floor as long as you possibly can. That's really where we're at. Uh, I ambiguous said, regardless of how the season ends, we have to be proud of how we got here. We weren't expected to even make the play in. And now we also know that Austin Reeves and Rui, they're our guys and they can show out there's that to it as well. And look, it hurts in the moment when you're losing a playoff series when we had these great hopes of making a finals push, of winning ring number 18, that championship, getting ahead of the Celtics, all of that stuff. Felt like that was it was within reach. Um but he's also not wrong here. The Lakers were the 13th seed at the trade deadline, they were the 7th seed going into the postseason and here they are still standing in the Western Conference Finals, that's pretty incredible. That's remarkable. Now, I know uh, you can say there's no moral victories and the way they, they are losing to this Denver Nuggets side. I mean, look, I, I thought in round two, I thought they were the better team than the Golden State Warriors. They were the better team, no question. In round three, in here, the Western Conference Finals, I the Nuggets have been the better team. You can say the Lakers could be up 2-1 maybe. Right, If some shots have been falling and things like that. I don't think I'm looking at this series, though. Like, Should the Lakers have won a game? Yes. Yes. But I also think the Nuggets have been the better team for the bulk of the series. I don't look at this series and say, man, this is a fluke that Denver is up 3-0. I think they've played better basketball than the Lakers have. But a good point, though, about Austin and Rui. Yeah, you know, those guys can play well. They can play big roles. They can play when the lights are at their brightest. You can't say that of some other guys on this team right now. Vector, got to jump on this. Oh, got to jump on this onto this and say if we do any sign and trade with Dallas for Kyrie, I'm going to be upset. Potentially losing Austin, Rui, and our picks because we are overreacting is blood boiling. I've gotten a lot, a lot of comments about the Lakers going after Kyrie. Now, Eric Pincus released a piece today where he said essentially he's heard that Kyrie and the the Mavs already have a deal, that they had a deal before the trade even went down, a handshake agreement, uh, a verbal, not an official agreement, but an understanding of what kind of deal Kyrie's going to get this summer. So that would suggest pretty strongly that Kyrie is not leaving Dallas. So maybe it's all a moot point. But I've gotten a lot of questions, a lot of comments. You'll see some of them in, uh, in some of these questions here about the Lakers going and getting Kyrie. But my stance, and it's been this way for months, I agree with Vector Nova. I would prefer to have depth. Now, you can look at this Lakers team right now and say, what depth? What depth? The depth that looked like they had in April doesn't look like depth anymore. Troy Brown, Malik Beasley, Wayne Gabriel, right? I mean, on and on. D'Angelo Russell. How many guys were making contributions for the Lakers just a few months ago and now essentially can't get on the floor because they're unplayable in the postseason? So I think it's fair if you say, well, do they really have that much depth? It's true. But still, I don't think they can build out a, a real roster right now. The math changes greatly. If Kyrie were to say, I don't need a max, I'll take $25 million instead of $45 million. Okay, that, that changes everything. If Kyrie says, hey, I'll come for the taxpayer mid-level, I don't care, I just want to play with LeBron. Come on down, let's go. Assuming that's not going to happen, assuming Kyrie wants to get paid, building out a roster is very, very difficult. And will cost you a lot of your depth. Will cost you your pick this year. 17. You'd have to get rid of that. Because that would be eating up cap space. Probably have to say goodbye to Rui. Maybe Austin you can keep. Because he has a low cap hold. But probably goodbye Max. Goodbye. um, Essentially your entire roster. You'd have LeBron, AD. Maybe Austin. And Kyrie. And then veteran minimums. The rest of the way. That's, That's not an ideal way to build out a roster. So. I'm in agreement with Vector Nova. I would would still prefer that the Lakers keep the concept of LeBron, AD, and depth rather than go back to the three-star model, though I do think that three-star model, Kyrie, LeBron, and AD, is a better natural fit than Russell Westbrook ever was. That's a low bar to clear, but still, that is a much better fit, a better place to start from, and I'm not saying that would be an absolute failure, but personally, I would rather see the Lakers keep their 17th pick, even if you're going to use it in trade. Keep that as an asset. Moving forward, don't just dump it because you need a clear salary. I'd like to see them keep Rui Hachimura. I'd like to see them keep Jared Vanderbilt. I'd like to see them keep all these other guys that they've, that they've acquired. Brandon Robinson said, I need Matt the Optimist Peralta in my life immediately. Yeah, it's tough. Not a lot of optimism going around right now. Ricondo said, The Lakers are tired. Had to do too much from the 13th seed. Give them credit, but they're gassed. LeBron on one leg. Let's compete still, but look to 2024. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at, is that I want to see the Lakers go down guns blazing if they're going to go down, but I do think they're out of gas. I think it it hit them. Mamba Mentality, why does it seem we are the team the NBA uses to promote their next upcoming young team? Denver, New Phoenix Suns, sounds fishy to me um, before the trade, saying it's rigged. We're down 0-3, next game is for honor, then we'll talk from there. So I don't know if I can get into the whole, like, rigged thing. Look, I mean, right now, we are one win in each conference away from a Nuggets Heat Finals. If the NBA were rigged, they would be doing everything they possibly could to get a Lakers-Celtics Finals with LeBron James in the Finals and number 18 up for grabs. Like, do you have any idea the ratings drop the ratings gap that's going to exist between what Lakers Celtics for number 18 would do compared to what heat nuggets would do. It's going to be massive. I've seen so many fans all over Twitter and look, obviously I have a a Lakers slant on this. The Lakers fans are kind of upset right now, but so many fans saying I'm not going to bother watching that finals. Now I disagree. I disagree, but I'm not the average NBA fan. I would be excited to see Heat. Now, obviously, I would much rather prefer to see Lakers in the finals. Lakers against anybody. Give me Lakers over Heat Nuggets any day, every day, right? But if it winds up being Denver-Miami, from my basketball fandom standpoint, I'd be excited to see how that series plays out, to see how those two very good coaches go after each other, how do those offenses deal with each other? How do the defenses deal with each other? What, is the, what does it look like when Michael Malone starts saying things in the press about Jimmy Butler? What happens then? You're going to get a pissed off Jimmy Butler? Then what happens, right? Can Bam Adebayo defend Nikola Jokic? How does that work out? Look at all the role players that have done great things for the Heat. We talked Max Strus, Gabe Vincent, these players that the Miami Heat have found and developed going up against guys that Denver's got, like KCP, Michael Porter Jr., their shooters on the wings. What does that look like? I would be excited to see that series. But that said, the vast majority of casual fans, which I know that's become a derogatory term, but casual fans matter a lot to the NBA, are not going to tune in when they would tune in to see LeBron against Jason Tatum, to see AD going up against the Celtics bigs and number 18 up for grabs. Everybody's going to tune in to watch that. If there was any chance Anyway, for the NBA to rig something, they would be going all out to make sure that they get Lakers-Celtics in the finals and not Heat Nuggets. Heat Nuggets, from the NBA perspective, from the rating perspective, is a disaster. And I'd be excited to see it, but casual fans would not. Especially if Lakers-Celtics is the alternative. I have a hard time buying that the NBA is rigged. If that is potentially on the table, Lakers, Celtics, and instead we're going to get Heat Nuggets, don't buy it. Chev Lev, I think Ham cost us this series. The three guard lineups, oh, the three guard lineup to start the first game. This is for as much as people have been on D'Angelo Russell's case, and rightfully so. Uh, he's had a terrible series, terrible. Um, Darvin Ham has been just as bad. Darvin Ham has been just as bad with the decisions he's made. Coaching, he has been terrible. And he was great against the the Grizzlies. He was great against the the Warriors. He's been bad. I couldn't I couldn't believe he started a three guard lineup against a super sized Denver Nuggets team. And it's like the the first quarter of game one, they got out they got just destroyed on the offensive glass. Of course you did. Anybody could see that coming. He's not had a good series. Uh, finally playing Delo in the third when Jokic was sitting was a disaster. Denver is winning the title. Congrats. Yeah, I think I would favor Denver to win it. But here's the thing. I've picked against Miami every series in the East and every series. Miami's proven me wrong. I don't know if I want to pick against them anymore. They just keep finding ways. But I, Ham was not good in this series against the Nuggets. It's not good. Jay Delgado, Ham can't start D'Lo over Dennis or Lonnie, especially if he's not hitting shots. Yeah, I mean, look, Delo has so much value is tied to his shooting percentages. Whether or not he's scoring the basketball, he can be a great fit for the Lakers when he's shooting 40% from three, when he's giving you a dynamic scoring option, when he's passing the ball well. Um, when he's acting as not a good individual defender because he's not going to be that, but a good team defender when he's doing that. Denver simply has too much firepower. Yeah. Uh, I would be leaning much more heavily on Lonnie Walker while D'Lo is struggling and that Denver has too much firepower. Denver's just got guys hitting shots. I mean, it, it reminds me of Miami in the way that every time the Celtics tried to make a run, here's Gabe Vincent hitting a big shot. Here's Duncan Robinson hitting a shot. Here's Max Strews. like, All their guys are just making big plays. I look at uh, game three, the Lakers. They get up one, and the next thing you know, Bruce Brown is hitting a shot. Right, Aaron Gordon is hitting a shot. Jeff Green hits a shot. Like, like all of these guys are chipping in in big moments, and the Lakers are kind of shrinking from those big moments. And same thing that's happening with Miami and Boston, but Miami role players are making big plays in big moments. Alexi, trade Mo and a first and a second for Caruso. If it's the 17th pick, Caruso is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, but I think there's going to be some real talent available there at 17. I want to be careful with that pick. I want to be careful with that. I would love to see Caruso back. If you're telling me it's a couple of seconds, done deal. Let Malik and D'Lo walk. I've talked about this a bunch. Letting D'Lo walk is not ideal from an asset management perspective because you're not going to be able to replace him. It's not going to give you cap space to go replace them with anybody. Use the money we would save by letting them walk to re-sign Rui and Reeves. You can re-sign Rui and Reeves without letting them walk. Now, Malik Beasley might be a different story because he's going to cost you $16.5 million on that team option. You may end up moving on from him. But D'Lo, look, he's been terrible this series, but he's been good essentially the rest of the time for the Lakers. I think letting him walk would be a mistake. And uh, for the reasons I already mentioned, but yeah, it's not like letting Malik and D'Lo walk means suddenly you can keep Rui and Reeves. It's not an either-or thing. If that was the case, if it was, if it somehow came down to the Lakers can keep two of Malik, D'Lo, Rui, and Reeves, keep Rui and Reeves. Done, very simple. But that's not the choice they're faced with. It's not. Uh, Bryson. As long as Boston loses their series, we will feel better about last season. Okay. So Bryson answers the question um, that or about this season that, uh, that I asked off the top mission 86 in November. Was anyone expecting Western conference finals? This was a good year, not all we wanted, but I feel a success run it back for a whole season together. Next year will be electric, not for this game, but for the season as a whole. Now, again, I agree. And I love the optimism. I love the optimism. Give this team a full training camp, make a few tweaks, around the perimeter, please, Rob. Rob Palenka, let's not go crazy. Let's not gut the roster. We've seen two seasons in a row of 13 new players coming in, right? A brand new team coming in and no chemistry from the start because you're trying to throw together an entirely new roster on the fly, right? That's what we've seen. Brand new roster for two seasons in a row. Let's not do that again. Keep the core pieces in place add a few guys here and there in free agency. Maybe you make a trade or something on draft night, but for the most part, your main guys, you hang on to, you come into training camp with that chemistry that you developed this year already in place, and then you can hit the ground running in October when the season starts up. By the way, let me mention this. I have spent a decent amount of time today working on summer league stuff for, for Lakers Nation, getting ready for uh, for uh, our Summer League experience, getting ready to head out there. And it is a highlight every year to go to Summer League in July in Las Vegas. Um, We are going to have some things planned for Lakers Nation listeners, viewers, readers. We're going to have some stuff planned out there. So if you have not gone, um, maybe even some opportunities to come hang out with us in the studio, um, which I will have more details on that soon. But if you have not gone to Summer League before, it's July 7th through 17th. I'm planning on going through like the 12th. I'm going to be there early. I'm going to go out like July 6th and I'll be there till like the 12th. But if you haven't gone to Summer League before, I would encourage you to go. Okay. If you find yourself with some time at the beginning of July and you have the opportunity to go, go. It is so much fun every year. It's like Comic-Con for basketball. It is a great experience you buy a ticket, and you get to watch all the games all day. You can just hang out at the arena all day watching games. They're not always the highest quality. You get to see some of the top draft picks, yes, but it's also a lot of guys that are just scrapping and clawing, trying to catch anybody's attention, so it's not always the prettiest basketball. But nonetheless, um, everybody's there. Everybody is there. Everybody makes the trip out, all the teams, all the scouts, all the execs, all the agents, all the media members, everybody is out there. It is a great, great experience. Go check it out. If you have not had an opportunity to go, urge you to go. And like I said, this year, we're going to have some special opportunities for Lakers Nation viewers, listeners, readers. Going to be a lot of fun. So start looking ahead. Mark your calendars. Summer League in Las Vegas. Wicked Bronco. Refs were buns tonight. Tons of moving screens on Denver where Dennis or Reeves got absolutely destroyed. No call. Okay, refs. Yes, but... I can't put that loss on the refs. I can't. And look, the refs are going to be bad just about any game. um, But I can't put that one on the refs. The Urban Progressive. Rob needs to trade Ham to a rebuilding team. It's very rare that coaches get traded. The NBA doesn't even like to see coaches traded. So he's not actually going to trade him. They would have to fire him. They would have to fire Darvin Ham, which I've said is not happening. It's not. They're not going to. The Celtics are much more likely to fire uh, Missoula then uh, Joe Missoula, then the Lakers are to fire Darvin Ham. Darvin's on a brand new deal. He took a team that was the seventh seed, that was the 13th seed at the trade deadline, brought them up to the seventh seed, took the seventh seed to the Western Conference Finals. That doesn't result in a coach being fired. It doesn't, even though, as I've said, Darvin has had a terrible series, especially as a rookie head coach. And I think Darvin has shown growth over the course of the year. I I think he's gotten better as a coach as the year has gone on. This series doesn't reflect that. But to fire him now would be a knee-jerk reaction that doesn't give him enough credit for what we saw in the last two series or the growth that he's he showed over the year. And I'm not saying Darvin Ham is perfect because he's not. He's definitely not. We've been critical of him plenty this season. But I don't see him getting fired. Not after year one of his deal. Now, when Joe Missoula is openly admitting to the fact that there's a disconnect between him and the players, that's a bit of a different story. That's not what we're hearing coming out of the Lakers, though. Uh, didn't He said he hasn't made meaningful lineup adjustments since Lonnie. Didn't start Rui. Didn't take advantage of the Joker's foul trouble. Sticks with heavy D'Lo minutes. I don't disagree with any of those things. I don't think he's been good this series. But I think it's too reactionary to dismiss him because of just this series. Uh, Ty, ready to talk offseason plans. Sign and trade D'Lo. So sign and trade is the one avenue by which you can not have, if you're not a believer in D'Angelo Russell, you cannot have him on the team next season and not lose him for nothing. It would be a sign-and-trade. However, sign-and-trades are very difficult to execute. You need to find a team that has no cap space, so they can't sign D'Lo themselves, that wants D'Lo, and that wants to pay D'Lo what he's going to get on his next contract. Checking those three boxes is very difficult to do. And even if you do, that team has to have stuff that the Lakers would want in exchange for D'Angelo Russell. Uh, The only alternative is a team with cap space, like say the Orlando Magic, signs D'Angelo Russell, and then the Lakers pay that team to turn it into a sign-and-trade so the Lakers can generate a trade exception. Usually they give them like a second-round pick, and the Lakers would get a big trade exception out of it by trading, in this case, D'Angelo Russell, into the other team's cap space. That can happen too. Sign-and-trade, it's not... Every time a player is a free agent and there's the, a threat of them signing with another team, fans of that team, uh, of the incumbent team, want, it, want to sign and trade. Because you don't want to lose the guy for nothing. Right? But it's not all that common. It's not easy to do, to execute sign and trades. Sheesh. Said, so, Trevor, please, I don't want it to end like this. Well, sheesh. Hey, if I had any control over it, I would definitely do something. Unfortunately, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have any way to magically make make the Lakers shots go into the basket and the Nuggets not. If I did have some kind of ability to do that, I would do it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner?
0: Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: This loss reminds me of the 2011 series with the Mavs. The Lakers had more talent both times but the opponent played better basketball. Yeah. The Nuggets have been outplaying the Lakers. And you give them credit. You give them credit. Sean Sanders, if you think running it back with this team will be different, you're insane. Back-to-back injury-free playoff runs are highly unlikely. Blow it up. What does that mean? Blow it up. I mean, are you saying trade LeBron? On the final year of his deal, I don't see the Lakers doing that. You're saying trade AD? Get rid of everybody? Tank? Well, the Pelicans have the right to take the Lakers' 2024 pick or 2025 pick. If the Lakers blow it up, trade LeBron, trade AD, trade all, all their players and just try to get picks, the Pelicans will say, cool, we'll take your 2024 pick after you finish well in the lottery. We'll take that. Thank you. How else are you going to blow it up? I mean, Blow it up suggests you're fully tearing down the roster. Now, if you say we need to make some big changes and you can make some moves here and there, okay. I think blow it up is too much of a knee-jerk reaction to the pain that we're feeling right now. I don't think blow it up, blowing it up is actually the correct course of action for the Lakers. For one, I don't think they're going to do it. You're not going to trade LeBron right now. Now, if LeBron goes to the Lakers this summer and says, hey, please trade me, that's different. But I don't see him doing that either. So blow it up. I just don't see the Lakers doing it. Anthony says Ron in the master lock. It's get it over with on Monday. Yes, Ron has not won over <laughs> many Lakers Nation fans uh, with his prediction that the Nuggets would win the series. He did say he wanted to see the, the Lakers win the series, but yes, Ron is Ron has caught some heat. From Lakers fans, that's for sure. Black Panthers said, fire ham, get Kyrie. See? I'm gonna be talking about Kyrie a lot this offseason. Extremely unlikely, and you wouldn't be able to build out much of a roster if you get Kyrie. M Dread, just start the bench. Game five. It's over. Ham sucks. I don't think you start the bench. I don't think you just um oh game five. So M Dread is assuming we get to game five. Lakers win game four. Um, it's over? Yeah, math says it's over. Math says it's never happened before. 149-0. and The Lakers and Celtics are done. That's what NBA history tells us. I'm saying someone, I'm not saying these teams will, but someone at some point will do it. I say try. Give it a shot. Starting the bench would not mean trying this. I think you try to make some reasonable switches, some changes. To see if you can throw a wrench into the Nuggets' plans, hit them with something they're not expecting. and next thing you know, you're off to Game 5. If you can steal one in Denver, who knows, right? But, but, um, I'm not starting the bench from Darvin That's waving the white flag from the get-go. Adrian, defensively, the fourth, they spun us this offseason, is screaming for more three-point shooting and a solid big man. Agree 100%, Adrian, in terms of the offseason goals. They thought they got three-point shooting, but that three-point shooting dwindled mightily. Troy Brown, by the way, was one of their better three-point shooters, shot 38% from three on the season. He went MIA under the bright lights. D'Angelo Russell, this series, MIA. Malik Beasley went MIA before the playoffs even really started, couldn't really play him much. That's a lot of your shooting that just disappeared in the biggest moments. Chelsea, why can't Darwin see what we see as far as lineup issues? I think he's made mistakes with how he's put the lineup together, with how he's um, gone about things. I think he's tried to show trust in D'Angelo Russell while understanding that, look, if Delo's not playing well, we need him to start playing well. And if he's not playing well, we're probably not winning anyway. So I need to at least get him some opportunities to get out of this funk and hope that it happens. And it hasn't. It hasn't. He's stayed in this funk that he's in, and he's been awful. So I think there's that to it, but ultimately, yes, Darvin's made a lot of mistakes. I, I think he has misread some situations here in this series, and it's created a lot of problems. Um, again, Denver's been playing great. Take nothing away from them, but the Lakers have not done themselves any favors. Like I said, I think their they're deep roster has dwindled and dwindled and dwindled to the point where right now they have four guys that you can trust. And that's it. Got four guys. That's where we're at. Hopefully, a full season together will help you avoid that next year. But we'll see. All right, Lakers Nation. On that positive note, we are going to be live over on Playback for Game 4 tonight. We are sticking sticking through this the whole way. So come join us, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. We'll hang out. We'll talk through the game. Hopefully, we see the Lakers, as I talked about earlier in the show, we will see them play with pride and fight and push this thing to game five. If not, we might see this team tap out and say, I don't want to pack to go to Denver. We'll find out tonight what Lakers team we're going to see. I hope you come join us. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel here. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe.